Hey, what's happening, everybody? I'm Larry Roberts, and this is another episode of the Readily Random Podcast. Hey, you could be larger than life, bigger than the world, living out the hopes and dreams of every boy and every girl. You, could fly you know, you just can't help but dance, man. I'm telling you right now, it's fun, too, when I have guests that come on. And I see them dancing before I even get started. You know, normally, normally I gotta kick it off and I gotta move a little bit, and then they'll start to move kind of slow, and then they'll they'll build up, and then before you know it, we're grooving and we're having a good time. Didn't take that long tonight for sure. I have two special guests with me this evening, and you're probably familiar with both. Both are inspirational speakers and motivational speakers and authors. One of them has a book about, I think it's a recipe book or chicken soup for something. I don't, I'll let him tell you about that. I have Mark Victor Hansen and his wife, Crystal Dwyer Hansen, with me as well. And Crystal was also known, as she's an author as well. I noticed she has a number of works. And one of the reasons that they're here with us tonight is to talk about their latest offering, and it's called Ask. But it goes a lot deeper than that, and we'll get into that in the conversation. So, Mark and Crystal, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Our delight, sir. We're so happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Oh, most definitely. You know, and it's it's kind of a shock to have you here because you guys, now I was teasing earlier, but, you know, the chicken soup for the soul, everybody, they may not know your name. They definitely know <laughs> the book series. Everybody's heard of chicken soup. It's like 250 plus books in the series. And we sold a half billion, so that even makes it uh, more pronounced. We're... We're told we're in 87% of the households in America, and you would have started reading it when you were a teenager, probably. Yeah, probably. Because I, I, I can remember when it first came out, and it was it was really uh, very, very— I went to a Christian school, so I, I believe it came out before— I, When did it come out? Because I graduated in— 19- uh, June 28, 1993, and, you know, I, Jack and I championed different books, and I'm the one who championed Chicken Soup for the Christian Soul, and, of course, that one just skyrocketed, and then— our publisher said, well, you can't outsell the Bible. So I said, well, let me do one that gets into the Bible. And he said, no, 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 it won't work. So I went to another publisher and we did Chicken Soup for the Soul Bible, where I did little stories, getting a big story. We sold 70,000 a week at Walmart. So it, it sort of, he was sort of unhappy that he didn't believe my marketing belief and prowess. <laughs> so is that both of y'all's background is marketing? No, I mean, we just have learned along the way how to be, how to market our own products. I wouldn't say that is either of our backgrounds. So you learn as a business entrepreneur that the most important thing is to learn how to market your own products. So, so it kind of came with the territory. So right. in answer your question also, in addition to what my wife said, we now say that 90% of whatever your product, service, or idea, or patent is, is, is marketing. I mean, you've got to make an excellent, excellent product, but then you really got to market because there's a lot of noise in the marketplace. Yeah. It's funny. I get a lot of grief because, you know, I've got my mic flag. I have my logo emblazoned on the video. I normally am wearing a hat, but out of respect to both of you, I'm not wearing my hat tonight. (laughs) So I normally have a readily random hat on and even a readily random shirt. So, I mean, I'm readily randomed out because I want people to know what it is and who they, you know, who they're listening to. So hopefully that'll pay off in the long run. So we'll see. Oh but- <laughs> yeah, you have to create your identity and you want to stick to your identity, your brand identity. So good for you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So let's just get right into it. Let's talk about your book first and foremost. What inspired you to write Ask? Well, we've literally traveled around the world together. And, and what we've discovered is the difference between people who almost succeed and those who are vastly successful is one thing and one only. They know the process of asking and asking the title we have is Ask, The Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. 
And we believe absolutely everybody has a destiny. Everybody has more talent and quality and probably inner genius than they've ever used. But most people have not ever learned this wonderful, magnificent technology called asking. So we looked at everything we'd ever done, starting as a little kid. I learned how to ask when I was nine years old. She did the same kind of thing. And then we looked around and we wrote everything that we could do in research and science about asking. You know, we interviewed 26 what we call now master askers. And we said, hey, wait a second. This is such a viable process, a technique. You can ask for riches. You can ask for health. You can ask for love. You can ask for relationship. And people actually want to help you if you learn how to ask in the right way. Exactly. You know, and it's funny if you think about it, at least if I think about it, I can think back to when I was just in single digits. And I not only wasn't afraid to ask, but I knew who to ask. If I want to do this, I ask dad. If I want to do that, I ask mom. If I want leniency, I go, mom, come on, man. Do we really have to have a talk with dad tonight? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't. Come on, mom, please. And, you know, normally it worked out. There were times when it definitely did not. Asking, it's just, it seems to oversimplify it. Is it that simple? You know, it's funny because asking is a is something we're all born with. I mean, we're, we come into this life where we ask everything. We want to know who, what, when, where, why. And then we want, we're asking as children for more and more and more. But then as, as life goes on, we kind of get shut down from our asking either, you know, it can be parents just get tired of hearing it. They're like, that's enough. Don't ask me again. And then you go to school and the teacher's the authority, you know, you only ask if you're called on and then you go to jobs and work in the military. And it's like somebody else is in charge. They're not interested in feedback. They don't want to hear questions. Just, you know, sort of take orders and people, or you just have experiences in life that where you experience rejection. And over time, that natural ability to ask that we start off with as children gets shut down or crushed because of all these different things that happen in life. So what Mark and I discovered are there are seven roadblocks to asking. And most people have at least one, if not more, of those roadblocks. So it's so important to recognize what your roadblocks are to asking and to get over them. And we have these beautiful examples in the book of all these people who experienced each of those roadblocks and how revealing it was and how life-changing it is when you become aware of it. And it's so fun because you know how stories are. When Stories are metaphors, really, for each of our own lives. When we hear somebody else's story, it becomes a metaphor for our lives. And it's like metaphors are patterns for our brains. Our brains think in patterns. So we can learn so much through other people's stories, through reading them and understanding their way through issues. It helps us very quickly learn those lessons. So it's a lot of fun. You know, I was, I was taking a preview of the book earlier and you, you brought up the seven, um, the, the seven blocks that people tend to run into somewhere along the line of asking. And I was wondering, can, can we go over a couple of them and, and, and or how about yes. the, the ones that you seem that you think is the most difficult to overcome? Unworthiness. I mean, I think that is a real big one for people. They have this underlying unworthiness that comes from conditioning from their childhood. We all come from different backgrounds. Who knows what happened? But along the way, we just feel like we're not quite enough. And so we're scared to ask for what we want, to ask for more of life. The story we give in the book is from Bob Proctor, a guy who's an amazing human being. He's a, you know, a global leader teaching leadership now, but he started off in his early adulthood, he, he said, I was so unworthy. We, I grew up with, with so much poverty and there was, he was taught to expect nothing. Don't ask for anything, expect nothing, just live with this misery. And finally he looked around one day 
was sitting in the bar drinking beers with the same guys. He goes, I looked around, I, I realized they were all losers. And he's like, do I want to be a loser my whole life? None of us are going anywhere. He was making $4,000 a year. So he started having a conversation with this guy named Ray and Ray said, what do you really want? Have you ever asked yourself what you want? What is this what you want for your life? Do you want something different? Okay. What is that? Oh, I want to make money. Well, how much money do you want to make? And question by question, answer by answer, he started getting a whole different picture for his life in the next. And Mark is a good friend of, of Bob's and he knows the story even better than I do, but he became a multimillionaire and now he influences the entire world. All, all because you learn how to ask. And you literally of the seven roadblocks, you ask your way out of unworthiness. And it's fascinating that yesterday we were on a podcast with a billionaire who he said, until I read that story, it never dawned on me that I'm eighth grade. I'm fat at the time. Now he's a skinny show, but he said, I weighed 200 pounds. And I wanted to take the girl next door to the eighth grade prom. And my dad kept saying, son, did you call? Did you call? And he said, the phone was so big and so ugly and so red and so violent. I kept asking myself, can I, can I do it? And I couldn't bring myself to bring. And so I lied to my dad. I said, oh, no, no. She's going with a football player, dad, in school. And he said two things. Number one, I didn't realize I was unworthy. And number two, I didn't know that I had, didn't have the courage to ask. And she probably would have gone out with me. And it's funny, too, because as you were alluding to a second ago in that asking yourself, is this where we want to stay? Is this where we want to be? Is this what we want to do for the rest of our lives? Asking so many times when we talk about the word, we tend to think of it as asking others when many times we have to turn it around and ask ourselves. That's right. We teach three kinds of asking. You got to ask yourself, ask others. And ask God. Those are the three channels that, that seem really clear to us. So yeah. like when I was a little kid, I didn't get that my parents, I was asking them to let me have a low handlebar racing bicycle. I saw one. I had a picture on the wall. I visualized it to realize it. But I didn't realize in today's dollars, a, a trek, as you know, is $7,000. Sure. Well, my parents were nice, wonderful, loving parents, but they didn't have $7,000. They were bakers. They didn't. My dad was a baker back in Florida. Anyhow, so... I read a Boy Scout Life today. A magazine said you can sell greeting cards and consignment. I asked myself, can I do that? It says, all I got to do is go up to the neighbors and nice neighbors and just smile and say, I'm earning my own bicycle. Would you like to invest in one box of Christmas cards or two? I sold 376 boxes of Christmas cards in one month. Did I want to sell Christmas cards? No. I was asking myself, how am I going to earn enough money to buy this bicycle, which I got one. That's awesome. And you, you overcame the fear of going door to door and of asking. And it was interesting that I've been a follower of yours. So I kind of heard the story before, but, but my audience probably has it, but I, I love that story. See, so, <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it, the thing is you didn't even give your, your neighbors an opportunity to say, no, do you want no, one box or do you it, want it, two? Yes. Yes. And then Crystal says, when you got to confront your fear and all of us got fears at different levels, you got to have the courage to just step in your fear and go forth with vigor. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, I speak a lot on a topic called comparanoia, and it's very similar to the fear and uh, being afraid to ask and comparing yourself to others and comparing yourself to where you're at in life. A buddy of mine, he actually did a TED talk on it. And David DiGiorgio is his name. And he and I, we, we have a partnership where we both speak on it. And it's this book can help a lot of people that have heard my comparanoia message before, because it's very similar. And the, one of the big difference in, in what I talk and what obviously your book covers is that we, we have a cycle of comparanoia that we have to break. And one of the ways we could do that is by asking. 
And breaking that that comparanoia cycle leads us to a cycle of celebration. But you're never going to celebrate unless you ask the right question. That's right. And there are other ones, the roadblocks. So there's, you know, naivete, which is just really not even being aware. You just weren't exposed to what's out there for you. So you'd never ask for it because you just don't know. And I tell this story in the book about this wonderful woman who worked for me when our daughters were little. She took care of the children and uh, because I had girls that were 16 months apart and she's from the Philippines. So she would come and make all these beautiful dishes from her homeland. And she shows up one day with this fruit and cuts it up and puts it on a plate. And she's like, try this crystal. And I was this really bright, orange, juicy fruit. And I taste it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the best fruit I've ever tasted. What is this? And she goes, it's a mango. And I was like, <laughs> I can't believe I've never had a mango before. I, I thought I was pretty worldly. I'd been all over Europe. I'd been around the world. And I was like, that's crazy. Where'd you get this? I, I've got to get some. I'm thinking she imported it from the Philippines. She goes at the grocery store. <laughs> I was like, this has been at the grocery store all the time and I've been passing it by. And I thought, what other things am I passing by every day? What people am I just passing by, never meeting, who might make a difference? Might there's There might be something rich and wonderful in that relationship. What other opportunities am I just passing by? Because I don't even know they're out there. I'm just naive. I'm not aware. And that's one of the roadblocks is just staying in your lane because and not ever being curious enough to reach out and discover these things. Because part of the asking journey is fostering curiosity. And that's, again, going back to that that childlike wonder that we all had. We wanted to know everything. We were interested in everything. And then at some point, we shut down and we cut ourselves off from opportunities. To go on with the seven roadblocks, there's doubt. You know, I give a, we, great, we give a great example in the book of a woman who happens to be my great friend, you know, just this relationship she had with her father. She could never ask. And we get into this discussion one day about how she loved to watch. She sat in the back of our car and would watch my dad hold our hands. And she said, I always loved that. And I could never, I used to wish my dad would hold my hand like that. And I said, well, why didn't you just ask him? And she goes, oh, I could never do that. Because he was, he was a POW. He was a war veteran. And he was a very closed off man. He was very in a lot of pain because he had a lot of survivor guilt. You know, she found this out much later, but it really affected her life. She always doubted that she could ask him anything. She talks about this experience, even asking him for a pair of shoes was like, no, I doubt, I doubt he'll, he won't like it. He'll, he'll, he'll freak out. He won't, he just doesn't want to help me with anything. And so we all have these things. Excuses is another one. Some people just have this sort of stubborn pride, like, no, I don't need help. You know, <laughs> I can do this myself. Right. <laughs> I got plenty and of excuses. Are you that? Is I'm, that what you, you're yeah, guilty, I'm, guilty I'm, the, I'm the excuses guy. Yeah, I can do that. But, or yeah, that's going to, uh, uh, uh. Always come up with an excuse, you know, yeah. <laughs> my wife. Yeah. Hates it. So they fit, you know, there's one of these or more that fits for all of us. And then there's just fear, which is like sheer terror of rejection. Like, and that, that comes from a human being needs to be loved. And if we're rejected, it feels like we're losing love. And that's not the truth, but it feels like that. So we need to reckon with that and, and understand that sometimes we just have to step on that fear with courage. And then there's pattern paralysis where, that's where you're just, you get in such a, a pattern of doing the same thing over and over and over. You just don't ask for anything different. You don't look for anything new. You don't wonder, you know. And then the last one is disconnection, which I think is one of the saddest ones because that's where, you know, you've almost become ap- apathetic. You just aren't connected with the dreams in your heart. And that's really sad because you, everybody has a purpose here. So we don't want to lose that connection. You know, I think maybe losing that connection is I, I'm a recovered alcoholic and I say recovered and not recovering because I haven't had a drink in 
over six years, but I was a hardcore. Thank you, thank you so very much. Uh, and although that defined me at a time, it doesn't define me now. So that's why I say recovered. I'm, it's in the past, right? But at the same time, I, I, I got into that pattern of, of drinking and, and sorrow and kicking rocks and going, oh, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. And I just got further and further and further and further into it because of that disconnection. Instead of pursuing something positive or pursuing, you know, entrepreneurship is, is the thing, right? At least for me, it is. And many of my listeners as well. But instead of pushing that even further and not giving in to the fact that I hadn't, man, I hadn't cracked that million dollar idea. I hadn't got that million dollar business yet. I'm just not there. I'm never going to make it. I'll just drink it away. And that disconnection is terrible. And, thankfully, and that's the time we're in now more than ever. And, and oh, because yeah. you've been a part of the AAI spec or something like it, brothers of bill or whatever, what happens is so many people have been incarcerated now for three months. We've had more change in three months than in 10 years. And a lot of people have shut down. And I'm glad you brought up entrepreneurship because we're asking everybody to be an entrepreneur who finds some problem and then fixes it. And, and you know, writes to that problem. Like when Jack and I wrote Chicken Soup, we thought the soul of America was in trouble. And chicken soup is what your mom and grandma gave you when you were sick to get well. Sure. What we found out the soul of the world is in trouble. What we found out with ask is that so many people are living below their potential because they've never learned how to ask themselves, ask others, and ask God. So let me just talk to the entrepreneurial million-dollar idea, which you subtly brought up. When Jack and I wanted the best title ever <clears throat> in our respective homes, him and Santa Barbara and me in Newport Beach, at the time, now we're in Scottsdale, we said 400 times before we went to sleep, mega best-selling title, mega best-selling title. The point is, Million dollar idea, million dollar idea, million dollar idea. It doesn't matter what you ask. All of us are born with 18 billion brain cells. They can't come to work until you ask a vital question. Now, the subset of that is once you ask 400 times and lull yourself to sleep, and then if it didn't come through, you ask again in the morning when you wake up, you got to have a pad next to you with a pen and, and get out of bed, open up your eyes and write it down because I, I just do the joke. Red Skelton, who you may not be old enough to remember, was a great comedian, but when I met him and interviewed him, he said, oh, man, I came up with an idea last night. And I, I could hardly wait to see what I wrote the next day. And it said, write play. <laughs> and he said, I didn't know what the play was anymore. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's a good direction. Hypnagogic trance state. So it is important that we all ask for a million-dollar idea because when I wrote The One Minute Millionaire, I said there's a million ways to make a million. And there's one right, easy, perfect, and acceptable way to every entrepreneur like the people listening to your show. You know, I talk a lot and you've almost left me speechless. <laughs> but you know, you? I, I know, right? Right? I talk a lot, guys. That's all I like to do is talk. And that that wasn't a million dollar idea. I just knew it was. If I just talk all the time, they'll just start handing me money, but it doesn't work that way. It's so weird. It's just not going to work for me. But anyways. Hey, I'm curious. The title of the book or the subtitle of the book is very interesting. It's uh, a bridge from your dreams to your destiny. Now, that sounds kind of, and I saw, too, that you have a, like a dream catcher. Is that what's on the cover of the book? Yeah. It is. It's like that, yes. See, I'm from Mandala. And by the way, very few people are that wise, so you congratulations. You are so smart. Wow, you are, you are so perceptive. <laughs> Thank you so much. Mark, and Mark and Crystal said, I was smart. This is great, guys. Mark this down. Tell me more about that subtitle. <laughs> So the bridge from your dreams to your destiny, because we all have these, honestly, these beautiful dreams in our hearts and they're like these seeds of light and hope, but often they just stay in our hearts. They're just stuck or hidden or 
you know, hidden by fear, unworthiness or the roadblocks. So until we start asking and start moving, asking starts us moving across that bridge to our ultimate destiny. Because every time you ask, you get a, a solution. You ask again, you get an illumination. You ask again, you solve a problem, whether you're asking yourself, maybe you're asking others. And you keep asking and asking and step by step, you know, question by question, answer by answer, you find yourself, wow, I've moved so far past that issue because I remembered to ask. And Mark and I know this, um, this has played out in our own lives so much, Larry, like, you know, it often happens when um, some of the most powerful times that you can ask and can pivot you is when you're in the worst place in your life. And for me, that was a time when I was, I was one of those kids who high school was really easy for me. So I accelerated my curriculum and I graduated myself at age 16 and married a guy five years older than me. Not a great plan, right? <laughs> Not a great life plan. It's all right. My so, first at bat wasn't that good either. <laughs> well, yeah. So two and a half year, years later, I find myself, I'm in a new city, no family, no friends, baby on my hip and absolutely no idea how I'm going to support myself. So I did what I could think of and that was to apply for food stamps. So I remember the first time I went into the grocery store and I was getting ready to f- turn those food stamps over for my food. And all of a sudden this huge question just dropped in my mind and it was like time so s- slowed down, kind of stood still. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but it, it was like, how did you get here was the first question. And the second question was, are you really doing everything you can to get out of this? Or are you taking the easy way out? I mean, I heard that voice in my head and I was like, oh, because I knew the answer immediately. I knew I wasn't doing everything I could to get myself out of the situation. I knew I was taking easy way out. But that question caused, triggered this answer. And as I was turning over the food stamps, I mean, it all happened so fast, yet it seemed so slowed down in my mind. I was saying to myself, this will not be my future. And I, I, even, I didn't even finish the food stamps. I went home and started asking more questions because honestly, I didn't have any answers. All I had were questions. And sometimes that's where we are. We don't have the answers. All we have are questions. So start asking them and start listening. But so I was asking myself, what, how can I earn money tomorrow? And I'd heard on the radio about these temp service agencies, you know, Kelly girls. So I called and said, you know, how do I get registered? So they gave me the instructions. I filled out the application. They start calling me and saying, you know, do you want this job? You can say yes or no. Well, I started doing some work and it was kind of fun, actually. And I realized there were two other temporary service agencies that I heard about. And I didn't see any rules. You couldn't apply for all three. So I signed up for all of them because I thought, now I've got a better choice of jobs, right? So I started doing all these things and I'm meeting all these new people. I'm working in attorney's offices, you know, filling in for someone who's gone or I'm working at a convention doing sales or, you know, some product. And I'm starting to really enjoy it. And I'm learning so much about myself. And I learned that, Hey, I'm pretty good at business and I like it. I'm pretty good at sales and it's fun. And I really love people, really love working with people. So I decided to, at that point to get my real estate license. And in the meantime, a few people had approached me and said, oh, you should do some modeling. So I approached uh, the biggest modeling agency and I said, you know, would you sign me? <laughs> and they did, fortunately. And I ended up doing some television commercials, which ended up going national. So it was pretty amazing because a year and a half, literally just maybe over a little more than a year and a half from the time I was turning over those food stamps, I was working for the biggest home builder in our Valley. I became the number one realtor for our company. And I was making all these great residuals 
which paid benefits because you had to join Screen Actors Guild right. when you were doing that kind of work, had to. So, you know, the benefits were amazing. So my son and I had these great insurance benefits and I, but talk about a pivot for my life. And I, I'm very thankful. I look back on that situation so many times and think, what if I hadn't been able to ask and what if I hadn't had the courage to answer my answer the question honestly, because that's part of the asking journey. You have to answer those questions honestly with yourself. Like I know you had to, when you became clean and sober, you had to get honest and answer those questions. Honestly. It's so amazing for you to say that you heard that voice because and anyone that's, that helped me get to where I'm at today, as far as my sobriety is concerned, it wasn't just me by any means. I had a massive support system that were unbelievably helpful. But that day, that day, I was sitting here and I was on my couch. I'd been there for weeks. I hadn't budged. And I was on just a 24-7 bender for who knows how many days. And I was sitting there. It was the middle of the day. And a voice, I'm not kidding, folks. I know I was drunk, but I still heard a voice said, if you don't take the steps to do something right now, you will not be here tomorrow. It's real simple. And I got up off the couch, somehow got sober enough, tears running down my face. I called my friend. I said, dude, I need help. I need help bad or I'm not going to be here tomorrow. And he and my wife happened to work together. He went and got my wife. They went to someone else. And then the next thing you know, they're swooping in. They've got me in a phenomenal facility uh, just here in North Texas. And I was there for about eight weeks. And now here I am today telling my story. And, And I'm very thankful for that. But the voice is so real. That moment is so real. It so, is. So I just got goosebumps because your story is it, what we said in Chicken Soup. We've said seven discernments, one of which is it causes God bumps, goosebumps, chili bumps. And some people can't buy it because they, they're not there. And that's OK. But to me, it raised a hair in the back of my neck and my leg and all that. What was the voice? Was it loud? Was it quiet? Was it male? Was it female? Was it angelic? Can you? I, I, w- I would have to say it was more spiritual than anything. I, I I couldn't put it. I couldn't genderize it or put a gender. Is that a word? Genderize? I I couldn't put a gender to it. Oh, you know, God, neutral. It, there you go. Yeah, it had to have been. It had to have been because I just it, I heard it clear as day. Yeah. It, it it made me sober for that long, and I heard it clear as day. So let me just talk to you for one second. Sure. Our title is Dreams to Your Destiny. We're saying everybody has a destiny. Now, there are people out there hanging on by their fingernails. We all know that, sure. the three of us, right? And, and, there, and, and I've been there. When I went bankrupt, I it was so low, I had to touch up, reach up to touch bottom. And I went bankrupt so fast in 1974, I had to check a book out of how to go bankrupt by yourself, never thinking I'd come back. But the, the point is, there are a lot of people out there. And what we're saying in our Ask book is you have to ask, how am I going to take this adversity, turn it into advantage? How am I going to... Tell that story. Well, okay, so 1974, I'm totally upside down, and I'm living in Hicksville, Long Island, New York. What an appropriate name, right? <laughs> and I got three roommates. I'm sleeping in a sleeping bag in front of another guy's room. I'm that broke. But I, I, I'd studied self help action books for a little bit after I was hiding under the sheets for six months, and I listened to a tape again and again, and it, it gave me what Zig Ziglar will call a checkup from the neck up. And I went to my roommates and I said, Look, I've asked myself what I want to do. And what I want to do is I want to speak. Do you know anyone that's young that's not a cotton top, not a doctor, not a lawyer, not famous, not a celebrity talking? And the guy said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, I'm in real estate. And there's a guy, here's my ticket. I can't go. You go out to Hop Hog, Long Island, New York. Then I jump my little beat up Volkswagen's a bankruptcy court's not taken. I race out there 
shaking, moving as fast as I can open. I don't get a ticket because I don't have money for that, of course. <laughs> Watch this guy mesmerize the audience for three hours, 500 people. Go up to him at the end and I ask. I say, Chip Collins, um, I'm Mark Victor Hansen, and I got no right to do this, but I'm going to ask if you'll let me take you to lunch. He said, I like a free lunch. And and I said, I want to do what you do. He said, chance you making it one in a thousand. It ain't going to happen for you, kid, but I'll tell you what to do if you promise to stay out of the real estate market. You can go to life insurance market. I'll tell you what to say and who to say it to. By the way, I'm going away for two weeks. Chance you making it, like I said, is one in a thousand. You're not going to be here when I get back from my vacation. When he came back, for the, the first three years, only Tony Robbins and I, as far as I know, did a thousand talks a year the first three years because I was either doing a talk at six o'clock, 10 o'clock, two o'clock, nine o'clock at night, or selling talks. There's nothing else to do as far as I was concerned. And then people kept saying, hey, wait a second. That story is so good. You have it in a book. Duh. I was making like 75 grand. And I said, holy cow. I got four. I got uh, 14 other people to help do the book, write a chapter. So I only had to write a chapter. So I started with multi-authored books. And I sold 20,000 copies of Stand Up, Speak Up, and Win from a platform. Signed every one of them. Thought I was so cool. Made $200,000. So I tripled my income all because I asked myself, what do I want to do? I want to talk to people that care about things that matter, that make a life-changing difference. And then once I did the book, you know, it's been skyrocket city after that. Man, my heart rate. My is, destiny, like your destiny is to be one part of it. And I don't know all that you do, but is to do this. And that's what God was saying. Hey, you're not supposed to be laying on a sofa, drunk out of your mind and useless. You're supposed, I think we're here for two reasons. You got to ask yourself, what can I create that'll be substantially profitable? And how can I contribute that's going to benefit other people and I'll get paid for it? Man, and yeah, like I said, my heart has, has started racing just hearing you tell that story. The fact that we're exchanging this kind of dialogue and it's so natural just happening between us is amazing. And it's something that I'll forever be grateful for. So thank you very much for sharing. What well, do you- the point is, we're supposed to talk heart to heart, soul yeah, to soul. Definitely. And in back to what Crystal was saying a second ago, which I think you resonate with. Who do you think you are talking that way? Who do you think you are that you can have a podcast? Who do you? I get goosebumps telling you that. And by the way, I'm not telling you that, but I, I am convinced just like I got 144 rejections for chicken soup. Remember Jack's the inside Harvard guy, third in his class, genius and all that. But I'm the outside guy. I took the rejection. And, boom, you know. <laughs> it, it, and that, I think that's probably one of my biggest things is I take any kind of rejection just so hard and I'll, I'll just come home and I'll, I, 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 <laughs> There's a rule in my house. I, I was, and I still am, if I am being honest, a Pink Floyd fan. I love Pink Floyd, right? Or I did, really. Uh, not so much. talking to their leader the other day on the phone. It was yeah. amazing. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. I have to introduce you. I'm so, <laughs> so jealous. Yes, that'd be so awesome. The thing is, is my wife knows that listening to Pink Floyd was, when I was in high school, that's where I got familiar with them, is, was my way of kicking rocks, you know, just going through, just kicking rocks and not really... So I'm not allowed to listen to Pink Floyd is the thing, right? So uh, I had to I had to get over that. So it's it's cool though, but the, the wife she's the one that helps when I when I get those rejections and I come home and I turn on the Floyd and I have the tears flowing and she's like, "Dude, turn off the Floyd. Come here, let's talk." And we'll yeah. talk it out and of course she's nice enough to build me up again and off I go out to get that next rejection or that next uh, contract. <laughs> way, here, here's two things. One is we know Scott Page and we'll gladly introduce you, but and yeah. you probably like to do your show. And he's a sax guy, as you know, and just beyond amazing. And we've been with him a couple of times, more than that maybe. But the point is, 
as of today, you and your audience have permission from Crystal Mark to be rejection proof. When, when we interviewed, one of the guys we interviewed for this is 50 Academy Awards for Rocky and Batman and all that, Peter Guber, and he owns the Golden State Warriors and a piece of the Dodgers. Peter said, Mark, you are so dyslexic. Now, I'm not dyslexic at all, but he said, you are so dyslexic, you think no means on. <laughs> so we all need to adopt that, right? We no doubt about it. <laughs> let it turn us on and keep going because there's a great story about that in the book. It's, it's a story, a woman named Rita Davenport. I'd like to share this story because it's so relevant. Oh, yeah, right? please. So Rita was this um, broadcast journalist, television broadcast journalist in the city of Phoenix. She was very popular. She thought of this idea to start this cooking show. And the cooking show became so popular because of the way she wrote it. Her personality was so dynamic. And um, she had all these people on, you know, all the chefs of the time, Wolfgang Puck and Julia Childs, every chef. And it actually, her show actually became the number one daytime show for all of Arizona. So it was really a big deal. So she had this fantastic idea why not, to start a cook a food network, like an entire food network. She wrote the business plan. She knew it was going to work. She made an appointment with the corporation who owned her show and went to the meeting that day and explained the whole business plan and told them why it would work and all the things that she would do on it. And they said, they looked at her and go, Rita, you know, we love you and you're, you're, cooking shows great and people love watching that for an hour but no one will ever want to watch food preparation all day long that's never going to happen we could never get behind that right so rita went home she felt rejected she put that up on a shelf and forgot about it but in the competitor station there was a guy named jack clifford who also watched rita every day on her show when she would come on, he would lock his door and start sit in the room and start taking notes. In fact, her friends over at the other station would say, Rita, I, we think this guy's hot on you. He's really crazy. He's like obsessed with you. He's obsessed with your show. So he took copious notes of everything she did, said, you know, the layout. Jack Clifford is the guy that started the Food Network. He took all of Rita's ideas and format and everything she was doing and took it to enough people and i'm sure the first one didn't say yes but he took it to enough people and finally got the yes and he admitted it to rita they they you know because they were colleagues sort of in that industry and they ran into each other later on at a black tie event she said jack you stole my idea when you created the food network because i know rita i did she's like you know you could have given me at least something for it really that's this really unkind but he said you know rita when i sold out of my part of it Food Network was valued at $3 billion. Now it's valued at like $30 billion. But what a lesson to never stop. Never let rejection stop you. And Rita learned so much from that. She went on to be an incredibly successful person. She was one of the early founders of Arbonne and was the head, it's kind of the head mama in Arbonne Cosmetics and did very oh. well. And she never stopped asking again. She, has, she does a talk called Get Your Ask in Gear. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love yeah. it. Hopefully everybody that's listening to this episode will get their ask in gear and oh, get a yeah. copy of your new book. So well, that's why we want people. Can I do a bold ask with your permission? By all means, please. Ladies and gentlemen, with a little courage to step in my fear, I ask you to buy a copy of our book, Ask the Bridge from Your Dreams to Your Destiny. 
because bookstores are not concurrently open everywhere. You can have to get it at Amazon. Yes. Once you get it, and get it in any form, you can get it audio, you can get it Kindle, you can get it a, a solid copy, which is beautiful. But when you get it, go to reception at markvictorhanson.com. And what we're going to do is invite you for free, for free to be part of the world's biggest book club, because we want everyone to talk about asking. We want to keep galvanizing you to be a master asker, to ask your way back to sobriety. I never thought about that, boy. It's a whole nother story that we ought to write to, you know, just because every, by the way, I'm going to do a bigger picture of that. If you don't mind, just real quick, I'm sort of sidebar, but it's because your openness, I'm willing to do this. Sure. I was on TV and I did all the churches that were AA and SA and GA and, you know, all the initials, Mm -hmm. but there's 18 million people in each one of them. and, And I met with, on one of the TV shows long ago, the person that said, look, everybody's addicted. Uh, it was Philip Gla- Dr. Glasser, who is a psychiatrist, said everybody's addicted. You're either addicted positively or negatively. Right now, you're addicted positively, right? You're addicted to, because the show is fun for you. I mean, like the first thing I said to you before we began, you come roaring out with enthusiasm and you're, the big word I learned a couple of weeks ago is exultant, which means you're over the moon happy, right? Isn't that a nice word? That is a great word. That is an awesome word. I'm going to steal it. Good. <laughs> Wait a second. Words Wait a second. Shared, right? That's comparanoia. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I can't thank you enough, honestly, uh, for coming on the show today. I, I appreciate the conversation. You know, it wasn't just, in my opinion, and I hope you share the, the same feeling. It wasn't just an interview and a pit stop on your on your world book tour, but hopefully. Uh, yeah, you felt a little something that I felt here as well. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was Oh, phenomenal. we totally did. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we just hope that we can support everybody in their asking journey because it's important. The feedback we're getting on the book is really unbelievable. It's amazing. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. A lot of great stuff in there. Great stuff. So Mark and Crystal, thank you so very much once again for joining me on another episode of the Readily Random Podcast. It was an absolute honor and pleasure. Thank you. Oh, the pleasure is ours too. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Y'all take care. Hey, you could be alive.